This show is brought to you by Growth Australia, market leaders in designing and creating workplaces. Welcome to Let's Talk Growth, Brisbane's number one people and property podcast. Join our fantastic guests to talk about innovation, marketing ideas, and technology that you can apply to your business to facilitate growth. Hi, my name is Daniel Boys, and I'm the host of Let's Talk Growth. In today's podcast, I am joined by Michael Mead and Jacques Van Ass from ProAV Solutions. ProAV power digital transformation through collaborative partnerships and innovative technology solutions. Michael Mead is our senior solutions architect, and Jacques is our senior account manager. Hope you enjoy the episode. Jacques, Mick, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So in today's episode, we are talking tech. We're going to take a two-part approach. And in the first part, Mick, we might throw over to yourself to really step us through the different elements of technology, what's available, how it could be utilized, and maybe some questions of if you're looking at making a change or doing a bit of an audit of what you're currently using, what are some questions you should be asking yourself internally, which is something that you step clients through as well through as part of your process. So I think that'd be really good. Then we're going to throw to Jacques and we're going to talk a little bit more about the fluffy sales side of things, which is where I might hopefully can add some value. Definitely. We'll let Mick have his five minutes of fame with the tech stuff, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to hearing more about as well. And then we can talk about how we bring it all together for clients and how it's usable and a couple of examples of where clients of yours have used it to great effect as well. Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah. So the way that we approach you know, technology or the system design now compared to, you know, five to 10 years ago, changed dramatically. Mm. In a, the slide that we've got up here, big uh, focus is on experience. So yeah. five or 10 years ago, very focused on the actual hardware, you know, which black box would you like? We'll put yeah. that in your room. Yep. Whereas now our key focus is how employees and visitors experience the workplace. And has that been, and Jocks, you may be able to talk to this as well, has that been a, a direct result of the working from home and how people have had to adapt to different working conditions? Has that been something that you think has pushed the industry in that direction? Uh, it has. I think it was always leaning that way. Yep. Uh, just COVID, the last two years of experience, that's just accelerated, yeah. I think, and changed the focus sure. for business uh, as well as designers like ourselves. Yep. So yeah, I think it's just really accelerated how people approach, you know, working or where where that is these days and yeah. what does a modern workplace look like yeah i just think that it's the, the focus has just shifted a little bit yeah, yeah absolutely and for those that are just listening in we've got a slide up here with three tabs experiences integration and environment and mick is just taking us through the process of how we tie all of this tech together so as you were mate yeah so i mean we, we attempt to begin with what an employer or you know the the solution person or whoever representative of the business how they want people or what experiences they would like when people are working from home anytime that they're engaged with work whether that be from home in the office and what their their goals are well you know during their work work yep. day yep and from those experiences though and everyone will have a different view on what those experiences should be and look like within their own business how those experiences then integrate with the business platforms and software services that they use. And then those two experiences and integration then translate 
into the environment that we can then deliver. So technology plays just a part of the the, the work environment. Yep. And on the slides there, you know, you can see there's a whole plethora of, you know, just getting into the building in the first place to your desk environment, to the meeting rooms, digital signage, room booking, you know, the social aspects of going to work. Yeah. And then that kind of reverse drives then back again as to how we approach the system design. Yeah. So the experiences, I suppose, are the physical things that an employee would engage with every day or is the end output, I suppose, of the technology, the usability pieces? Correct. Yeah. And Jacques, are you seeing when you're going out to client meetings and dealing with different businesses, is there a common end goal that you're seeing with people that are starting to implement this? Because there's been a big move around collaboration and making people feel a bit more comfortable coming back to the workspace. Are people factoring that in? Are they looking for efficiencies? Is there a key driver of what businesses are looking to achieve by changing their the tech that they have in their spaces? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to people have seen that workplace environment change and the shift that's occurred through that yeah. COVID pandemic. So we're getting a lot of customers who are trying to bring their employees back into the business, but also how do they make their business a better place to work? Because everybody's loved being at home. Mm. So the common factor that's in there is how do we get people to come back into the office? What is that next step that we're looking to achieve? Yep. And what does that business place look like in the future? And that's the general conversation that's happening. And I think the technology side of it has become front and foremost, where go back a couple of years, it was an afterthought. Yeah. So now people understand that there's more technology that's required within these organizations. Yeah, definitely. And I think when collaboration is a pretty significant buzzword that gets thrown around and when I think about collaboration, it really is the ability for more people to connect together throughout the day and technology is at the core of that. And if you don't have that right setup, then it's very frustrating or hard to collaborate. And and people are used to it now, right? We're seeing the next generation of employees that are coming in from uni are used to a collaboration, whether it be online, whether it be in learning space, and they're wanting to bring that into their into their businesses and into those organizations. And they're also driving that feature set because they're asking their managers, owners, to bring these kind of tools into the workplace and, and it's now a change. And as you say, collaboration is huge. How many people can you get to work on one document or on one project, whatever it may be, mm. and also connecting individuals from all around the country or the globe. Fantastic. So as far as experiences, we've got the employee apps, the scheduling, room booking, visitor kiosk, concierge, all of those things. And then the integration of that, Mick, can you, so those are the, I suppose, the fluffy things, the end product that people can engage with. How do we go around setting that up? What's important at the back end to make sure that is in place for those to, to work? Uh, sure. So the some of the fundamental things to think about from a technical point of view, obviously the platforms that the business either uses now yep. or, or is looking to implement moving to the future. Because that typically when we talk about collaboration, those platforms and the integrations between those different platforms are pretty much at the core of any collaborative exercise. So that's so, Teams or Zoom or understanding what you're utilizing for those? Correct. Or, uh, that, that's some of them. Yeah, sure. so that Microsoft have a whole suite. Uh, Google has a whole, whole suite of um, Yeah, important software. to note, there's a number of platforms available. 
Not that this podcast is getting so big, but we don't want to get into trouble with Microsoft. For, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of people. Correct. Yeah, the, choice, <laughs> the choice is yours, listeners. The, the niche, choice is yours. niche of Microsoft or Google. Who knows? They might sponsor the next podcast. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but as you mentioned, Zoom, like they, 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 there's any number. You know, in our business, we've, you know, we've got, got a platform for everything. So spend, you know, half our life just trying to make sure that they all... Yeah sing and dance together you know that's just become a whole another industry unto itself uh, almost and without putting you on the spot mate is a different platforms good for different outputs is there not saying that you have to pin your master colors but um is there anecdotally just from our experience it seems that way yes like there are certain platforms that seem to suit higher education, for example, compared to the corporate space, yep. compared to kind of tech startup companies. Sure. sure. They, there, there are trends there, but but there is no one size fits all. Very difficult to say, oh, this platform without knowing your business well, this platform will do everything that you need it to do. I think that's very challenging. So it's our job to work with our customers mm. to understand, you know, what their goals and we'll, we'll work Closely with our IT departments, obviously, because they've got you know there's a whole host of things that we'll be walking into as a technology provider. It's just creating understanding. So Jacques mentioned it earlier that that early engagement and not uh, leaving the tech kind of uh, deployment as an afterthought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, which we're very used to, and that poses all types of different challenges as the you know in the new world. Absolutely, I think the design and construction industry and or traditional builders have been a have not been assisting that because we will typically be very focused on getting the layout right, taking the client brief and making sure we've got boardrooms in the right areas and collaboration spaces that look great on a plan. But the actual usability of those spaces every day because of timing or where we would usually bring tech in is an off-the-shelf solution that just kind of get gets bundled in at the end of the project. Whereas we've really changed that approach now where we will work with yourselves a lot earlier to say, well, look, here's the physical design of the space, but how do we really bring that to life? Is this suitable for an auditorium style or is a flat screen on a TV? And Jocks, I think we had a recent example where we designed a layout and we asked you to come in and consult and you came up with a, a different solution to what we had originally provided because you understood dimensions of the room and broadcasting and what the actual functionality needed to be. So... That's nice. correct. It's matching the technology to the space. Yeah, correct. And, you know, one of Mick's key design criteria or feature sets that he brings is understanding all of that technology and what it's not best suited for. Sure. And if it is required, where do we place it to make it suitable for the space? And the other part to that is understanding what is coming up with all of these integrated packages and services. So as a customer moves into that environment, how do they understand the next chapter of that journey, right? You know, because we could put something in today and as we've all seen, Microsoft was not the industry leader in that kind of space and all of a sudden COVID hits and everybody's jumping ship. So we've got to be prepared for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So moving on from our tech overview, if we just go to your next slide, so I'm looking at slide four in your, four in your presentation now, Mick. We've got the design evolution, and I think this is a great one because this touches on high level on the journey that a client would go through in designing their the tech for their new space. So there's some really good questions. If you were to handpick a couple of questions or one question potentially for each segment you've got that if something to really ask yourself as a business when you're going through each of these stages, what would they be? 
Yeah, like so a good technology plan is not to just throw a TV on the wall, right? So I think the the big ticket items here are really asking yourself what are the core business requirements? Like what, what why should we spend money at all? And when we go do spend money, you know, what what are we trying to achieve? Yeah. I think that is first and foremost, that has to be the the number one question. When you are then looking at a, you know, a big change, a moving premise, new building, new office space, consider the platforms that you're using right now and whether they are fit for purpose for your business. Yeah. Just from our own experience, we, we're under a constant reevaluation, you know, about the tools that we're using, whether they're relevant yeah. to, to, you know, to where the business is moving. So I think that's quite important and just be, you know, educate yourself as much as possible by either speaking with people like ourselves, our ICT partners, the internet, like there's a lot of information out there. Uh, just understand what other platforms you're using now fulfilling the needs that you have and if they're not what else is out there potentially this is a great time to make a synergy between an environmental change and a software platform change and then how what would you like people to experience when they're in your environment i think they're the, probably the big three how do you want people to feel you know how do you want to engage people is there something a little bit outside of the box or out of the norm that you can get to differentiate your workplace to someone else's uh, it's a pretty very competitive market out there you know, what's the point of difference for you and what makes your company stand out, I guess? Yeah, definitely. I think they're probably the three that I would um, focus on. I think it really changes the customer service side of a business as well. And certainly from, if I talk about our experience and the technology that we've integrated into our boardroom, which is now our town hall space, our pitching space, we run design workshops in the boardroom and open the doors and have the interactive TV and it can really change your thinking about how you not sell your product, but how you deliver your product to your clients and how they engage with it as well. So we've certainly seen our business change as a result of putting in tech and working with yourselves in our boardroom. I still need to get my head around the one touch to start meetings, but we're working on that. Certainly <laughs> so are. Mick's going to come and give me a, a hand-holding lesson, which Sort's is great. Right so we're, the one glove service is a- coming out. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> and Jocks, to your specialty mate when you're out and you're pounding the pavements chatting to the people on the ground are there some really common things that you're seeing that people not necessarily are doing wrong but what are the most common gaps that you're seeing in people's current setups so they're not necessarily newer gaps and they they don't know what they don't know but is there a common thing that people there's probably two things that come up quite frequently and it comes around in the tender space more than others sure and that that's Audio visual is always left to the end, yeah. right? And there's not a lot of the decision makers having involvement with the integrators like ourselves gotcha. in understanding the tech. And, you know, it's no disrespect to the consultants that are out there. You know, we definitely are not they, – they know what they're doing, right? But often they might be involved five years before we even get that tender document sure. landing with us. Sure. The technology discussions may – have been different at that time. There may have been another person or a different individual who was signing the checks or, you know, having influential conversations on that. And by the time it gets to tender time, that whole system has changed. Yeah, sure. The other thing that we see is, and Mick touched on this earlier, is understanding the platforms that you're utilizing. A lot of our customers will ask for a solution based on the current setup that they know and they have implemented, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 
but they aren't aware of what is actually out there and what they could implement. And that's what we spend a lot of time doing is actually getting an understanding of what they're trying to achieve yeah. and then potentially putting them down a pathway or, or suggesting another avenue for them to look into yep. and providing them with the features that will probably assist the business in growing and utilizing that technology a little bit more. Yeah, it's great because I think it's important as well, as you mentioned earlier, Mick, to talk about the return on investment. Not always monetary, it could be an efficiency point of view, it could be a staff satisfaction point of view, but there has to be that tangible trade-off for implementing these technologies. And the first step of that, it sounds like, is understanding what you're currently working with, where the frustrations and the gaps are. And there will be frustrations there. We, we had them in our team and it's not until you really pro people and say, hey, look, well, talk us through your day. How many meetings do you have in small meeting rooms? How many are in larger meeting rooms? When you go into those rooms, what's the average time it takes you to dial everyone into the meeting? What does that look like? And when you start unpacking those layers, that's where the creeks and the gaps for opportunities start to really arise. Correct. So, and we've seen that firsthand with growth. We There was a requirement that we believed was there. Yes, We were asked to put in certain technologies to meet the specification. And as our relationship has matured, we've understood what you guys are looking to achieve in those spaces. And now we're going, well, let's revisit this and make it work for you. It's an ever-changing beast, isn't That's it? Right. It's, it's yeah. always evolving. It's flexible, like you say. And we're lucky that we've got the technology or the core technology in place where we can add on those little bits and pieces to make sure that we're using it by design. Correct, yeah, and correct. getting the best performance out of it, right? Nobody wants to spend however many thousands of dollars and all you're doing is putting up a PowerPoint presentation via the HDMI that you've been doing for the past 10 years. Yeah, I hope you're not calling us out live on a podcast, Asia. I'm, sure <laughs> well, you know. I'm very attached to my <laughs> HDMI cable. I've done many a great PowerPoint presentation, I'll have you know. We'll I think that's one thing that this probably doesn't capture, I probably should have put in in that this isn't a, a decision to be made at a point in time mm. and then just left static sure. for the next five years, however long you deem technology to last, 10 years for some people. Yep. That may only satisfy the requirements that you have for 12 months. Like we've seen the dramatic change that's happened globally over the last 24 months. There is no reason for us to expect that to slow down. So things will change dramatically. So we've got to be quite agile in the way that we approach a project. Uh, like Jacques said, sometimes we you know for, for larger projects they go through a tender phase and a redesign phase and a build. By the time the you know the bricks and mortar come into the world, like the technology space could just be completely different. Yeah. Absolutely. So we need to be able to be agile, change the plan. And that's where if you don't have a good relationship with the customer, that will not happen. Yeah. And high chance that you're going to um, not see the ROI that you probably look for. Definitely. I think there's some ownership on businesses themselves as well to be as agile in their thinking and probably move away from those traditional norms of, look, we just use that room for video conferencing and everyone's sort of queuing out the door to get in for a spot. It's making sure that you're keeping up to date with what's going on because it's ultimately going to assist your business in the long term as well. That's right. That's great. Well, I think we've uh, wrapped up part one there nicely. Some really good takeaways. We've given a high-level overview, which is really good to give some background. But I want to move more now into a live example of where you and the team have worked closely with a larger user. What was that journey like? And we won't mention them. We'll keep it confidential, but they're sort of in excess of 
500 staff plus and national business. What was the journey like with them? Was it and, and how long was it originally? What were the the goals for the technology? What was your mandate? And then how did that sort of run its course? Yeah, I mean, this was a great experience for ProAV and probably a lot of the the national market that was out there. There were a number of key players, large companies bidding for the work so as this well. Was a, a tender process. It was as a you tender profi- yeah. process. Everybody was well aware of what was coming, so people had all looked at various solutions and technology, but nobody knew that COVID was going to pop its head up in the middle of this whole piece. So when the customer's idea came to fruition, it was probably about two, three years maybe before the pandemic hit. So they had an idea, they knew what they were trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. and right in the middle of the tender phase, COVID struck. Businesses, including ourselves, were sent home, we were having to collaborate at home, and during the whole phase, new questions arised about what do we do? We've just sent a huge workforce home, you know, and as you said, 500 plus employees nationally go home, work from home, stay safe. This is what it looks like. You know, we've got a new building coming. We'll let you know when to come back. Wow. Right. So, the, so the first part of that was completely changing course. So mm-hmm. we're, we're thinking we're going to be doing one thing in the space and it's going to be X, Y, Z. We've now got to pivot and we've got to manage a everyone working from home strategy. Correct. They were also working on one platform much to what these slides are depicting, and they knew that they were having to transition to a new solution or application. And the system had to stand the test of time because the deployment was going to be over 18 months. We had a large workforce that was still going to be working from home and slowly deployed back into the the head office one month at a time. They'd bring people back in. And the big thing was how do we provide a service that can be fluid and make those changes. How can it stand, not the test of time, but, you know, that technology roadmap, the five to seven year kind of gap. And there was a lot that went into it, right? The the tender phase was one part of it and we were successful in that phase. The second part of that was the end-to-end meetings with the customer, getting a good understanding of, hey, this meeting room needs to do this. This piece of tech needs to do that. When an employee walks through the door, what are they greeted with? How does that experience? And the big thing was on experience because they knew once those employees had gone home, it was going to be tough to get them back in the office, right? So the technology had to be flawless. They They had to enter back in. It had to be a safer working environment. What could the technology do and how could it adapt to tell people, you know, is this meeting room exceeding capacity? Do we need to move locations? Is there a desk available for me? And that all came through the whole workplace technology yeah. piece. And when you say exceeding capacity, is that to do with air or is that just a air quality flow, that type of thing? Yeah. So, you know, we all saw the restrictions based on capacity within, sure. you know, shopping centers, bars, and the same thing applied in meeting rooms. Mm-hmm. So we had to utilize technology within those spaces to capture how many people are entering that space. Are we exceeding that? What's the air quality look like? What's the temperature in that space looking like? So, I mean, Mick played a big part in that decision and looking at how we could capture that information, bring that onto the displays within inside the space, which would let people know if they exceeded it, if the air quality was getting low. So there was a lot to that. It was all about the employees 
not so much the experience, but just looking after their their health and safety. Yeah, coming back into wellness. this new yeah, yeah wellness mm. at the end of the day. And so, just taking a step back a bit at the start of that sort of deployment, was there a piece around? working from home and how people are going to stay connected through that time were you involved in that at all to a degree we were kept we were asked to be a part of that there was a big focus on how does the technology transition from your working from home situation back into the workplace everything had to work in exactly the same way and a big thing for pro av was this consistent user experience if you're plugging in via usb c at home you've got to be able to plug in via usb c in the workplace or have that wireless connection within a meeting room, large multifunction space, town hall, whatever you may call it, and then also going back to their desk. So we were a part of that and it's still a big journey today. We're still working out how to best supply all of the employees with the right equipment, but I believe we're, we're pretty much there, right? Mm. That's good. And without well, at the risk of stealing one of your phrases, and Mick, I've heard you say this before, but it's about removing those friction points. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. And I think it's it's such a prevalent topic as well because it really ties into people feeling comfortable coming back into the workplace. If you've been using a certain system at home for a number of months, if not 12 months, there can be a bit of anxiety about getting back into the office, getting back on public transport. But if you've created a bespoke space where people feel comfortable and you know going into that workplace that you're going to have everything available to you and it's going to be touch to start, nice and easy, and you're very comfortable with it, it just reduces some of that friction. Definitely. I mean, Mick's got a great analogy about making coffee, right? Ah. Oh. Yeah, I won't steal his thunder, but he can, Come on, he can talk about it. Serenade oh, right. us. You say it so much better than I do. <laughs> well, just, just with removing friction, like you said, and we're have, trying to have a frictionless experience, and I mean, you explained yourself like in your office, and but with, by frictionless, I mean, the, the friction points are if there's anything impeding what that business requirement is in, in any given space, could be at your desk, could be at home, could be using your phone, you're in a meeting room, boardroom, auditorium, if there's a point in the workflow that you don't don't understand or is holding up you actually doing what we don't want technology to be putting blockers in in front of you doing what you're there to do so so that's what we're trying to remove and most is a very generalization but people don't really want to understand how every every little minute piece of technology works they just want it to work for them absolutely as you know, seamlessly as possible. He's making us work for this coffee analogy, isn't he? Sorry, it? so we'll take this to the coffee analogy then. Like, not everyone wants to be a barista like Jacques. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, spending, you know, hours refining the correct humidity and bean temperature and everything like that. you got to have uh, coffee, He's a coffee right? snob. He is, yeah, yeah. But if you're like me, you know, you want to walk up to the Nespresso machine, press the one button, and it's just done, right? Other so, pod-based coffee machines are available. Sorry, yes, not they are. sponsored. I yes. am... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's the analogy. Some people really want to dive into the technology, know all about it, and we you know, advocate for that. That's fantastic for us to have really educated users and customers. But the expectation is that people won't want that and don't need to know that. We just want to create that experience that's very seamless, very easy to use, works as you would expect it, quite intuitive, the one button to press. Absolutely. I think no surprises with technology almost means it's it's performing exactly how it should. Yeah. Which is which is great. And times are changing as well, right? Gone are the days of 50, 60 boxes making a boardroom work. I know every integrator out there is 
shouting and screaming as we say this, but the systems have become simpler. They're not simpler to use, but they have become simpler to install. But the big part now for us is the integration piece Mm. because you've got to integrate with so many other platforms that are out there. So how do you make that right decision? And I suppose that's where the value proposition is for someone like a pro AV, where as opposed to traditionally, we would spec something off the shelf and make it plug and play. It's a bit more of a consultancy approach. So if anyone's concerned about potentially spending the dollars or seeing the value in it, I think we've really highlighted there what the differences are from having a off-the-shelf solution versus something that really speaks to productivity, efficiency, and ultimately the ROI of those business streams. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head, right? You know, just having that basic understanding of the difference between consumer grade and commercial grade, that's a big part because a lot of questions we get asked is, why can't I just go to JB Hi-Fi, no sponsors, you know, and pick up a TV off the shelf, right? Producer Gil's looking at me shaking his head. (laughs) Bit bit of editing to do on this There's going to be a lot of uh, blanks. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you beat that out, Gil? I know, I know. (laughs) Brilliant. And look, I think a nice way to, not that we're wrapping up, you can stay as long as you like, gents, absolutely. But I think what would be really good to now talk through is you went through that process from the tender all the way through to working on the specifics of each meeting room, what was required and what the goals were. What was the final product and how are people, I believe there may be an app involved of how people engage with the office before they even arrive. So if you were to talk us through a day in the life of an occupier in that space, maybe starting from the night before they get to the office, what does that look like and what will their experience be? And I don't want to take this away from anybody else who worked on the project, right? Because it was a big collaborative piece as we, we've just been talking about. But we knew that the customer had this end goal, which was the app. And, and it was the workplace app that they needed to run. And all the various bits and pieces of the whole design had to integrate into this, this app because a big part of it, as we're talking about, was the wellness of the employees. And instead of having touch panels everywhere and multiple surfaces to interact with, you know, everybody knows you got to clean your hands nowadays, you, you know, if you weren't doing it before. So your mobile device was the number one thing. Keep that in your pocket or bring it out when you need to. And starting the night before, employees who had to come in, say there was a meeting or an experience that they had to be a part of, they could then see, open up the app, look at where their team was going to be located. Was there a desk available? They could get an understanding of what the transport was looking like the following day. If they were riding a bicycle in, was there a bay for them to park their bicycle in? Was there a end-of-trip facility to have a shower? If they were driving a car or a motorbike, similar thing, was there parking available underneath the building? There's still parts that need to be integrated, but walking through the front door, getting the coffee that you like from the cafe on the ground floor, being advised which floor you're going up to, where your desk is, the meeting room technology that's there, and then that whole seamless, consistent user experience. Connecting to their desk, picking up their laptop, moving into a meeting room and back and then going home, nothing changed throughout that process. The app was giving them the ability to, if they exceeded capacity, tell them where another meeting room was going to be located, how far away it was, digital signage with messaging, being able to stream tech. So that was a big part of of the overall 
technology mm. package that we see. And I'm sure for an onboarding of new staff and a re-engagement with existing staff piece, that's massive. To that's show huge. that integration of an office is a real draw card for attracting the top talent and retaining good people as well. Definitely. And we've seen from previous experiences in the old building to the new building, meeting room spaces were always heavily used, sure. but not to the extent that they're being used today. Wow, yeah. You go into any of the new meeting spaces, people are in there. They're using the tech, they're using the app. Everybody loves showing the app, walking up to an elevator and they swipe their phone and it takes them to the right floor without even having to worry about what button they were pressing. You know, access cards into the building, same thing. Nobody's walking around with a name tag that they fobbing onto a system. It's all through through their device. Brilliant. And what was the... Because a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, look, an app, it's just not for us. I think there's some great options here to scale it back and just get some quick, easy wins that we spoke about in part one. But I'm interested, what do you think was driving the necessity to have that app in place? Sure. I think it's about engagement. So having a focal point, you know, everyone knows it's a familiar, familiarity. It's just like it's a tool, essentially. You know, the, this is a tool that these employees um, have within their arsenal. It fulfills a whole host of different, you know, business requirements that this business had. So, uh, you know, it sounds, I guess, a little bit gimmicky when you say, oh, you know, you can book a meeting room and order catering from your phone and, you know, is that really a requirement? Potentially in isolation, you're like, no, that's a bit above board. But when you're talking about engagement from upper management down to a, a large cohort of mm. staff mm. and how that consistent engagement between... Usability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not only your team, you know, your leaders or leaders once removed, as well as all the uh, the management. And do they incorporate dashboards and messages and sort of staff announcements, for one of a better word, through all of that as well? Yeah, yeah. there's, there's uh, you know, uh, well-being programs, there's social aspects to it. So it's... It's an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different platforms um, and different services within the business. And it was just what what is the best way at the time to deliver that to each of our employees. And, you know, that employee app was the was the choice at the time. So not for everyone, but like I said, you know, you explore the core requirements and understand the platforms that you have, which could be two or three. You know, it could yeah. be hundreds. Choose your flavor, right? Yeah, depending yeah. on the scale. Coffee. So. That's it. There you go. It's, uh, no, it's brilliant. And I think, (laughs) (laughs) and it's a text fantastic because it really does play on both sides. And my perception a couple of years ago and through COVID that technology was almost going to drive people apart and give people an excuse or an outlet to not collaborate and to remain remote and do all of those things, which for the right roles, it enables those, those who want to do that enables them to be efficient and almost work more more efficiently but it's also bringing people together so it's also the thing that's drawing people back in so it's really interesting and i think it's um the future of workplaces and certainly what we're seeing with our clients on how spaces now are all being centered around the breakouts the third spaces the shared spaces the meeting rooms is more now than ever so the open plan has almost become cookie cutter in its workstation arrangement, but it's the shared spaces that are becoming really bespoke, which is exciting for our design team as well. It's huge, right? And the hybrid workplace is not going to disappear. No. Right. It's a big buzzword. It's out there. Everybody's talking about it, but it's here to stay and it's only going to keep 
evolving as time goes on. The biggest thing that we're all seeing out there is how how do you get your employees to come back, mm. right? Coming to the workplace is no longer a place where you tap on your keyboard. Mm. It's the social piece, right? I'm coming to see Dan. I'm coming to see Mick because, you know, haven't seen them in ages. We've got a great idea that we're going to work on. We've got an awesome meeting room that's kitted out with all of the tech or a huddle space or something along those lines. You get a little bit of that water cooler chat that's happening as well. And you're also always depicted by what people people's jobs are at the end of the day mm-hmm. because admin roles they can be done from home majority of the time. Mm-hmm. For those people that are out there in the construction industry or something along those lines, you, you can't say go and work from home. It just doesn't work, right? But every business is different and every business has a different model. And people are different as well. That's right. So it's roles and it's personalities. Mm-hmm. Correct. I was just going to have like slightly different spin on that as in terms of thinking about how do we get people to come back to the office if that's the question that we're looking at. It's more like why. Why do people come into the office in yeah. the first place? Mm. So I think there's a small change in thinking about, well, do we need to be in the office to, you know, back again to that core requirement for someone to do their job? If they're set up and, you know, it's more efficient and yeah. better for everyone to be at home, then what is there? Is there valid reasons? Typically there are some yeah. to come into the office and how do we enable what, whatever that requirement is? So that mm. could be to collaborate with the team to build those networks within the organization. And this, once again, changes between the size of the business. But it's like the, once you figure out those whys, mm. then you can understand, well, what, what does our environment need to be like yeah. to drive those kind of um, those activities? And you know, nine times out of 10, that's not just setting up a bunch of desk workstations anymore. No, definitely. And, yeah. and I think it, it's interesting because there's if we can get to a place where people don't need to be in the office, but there's a want to be in the office, Correct. then you've yeah. kind of ticked all those boxes. That's right. So it's like, I can do this at home today. I don't necessarily have to go in, but if I go in, I know I'm going to get a bit of collaboration with my team. I'm going to have some spin-off chats where I might learn something from. There's going to be that passive learning piece. I'll be able to chat to that young up-and-comer and help them with something they've put out. And you start connecting all those other things that you get in the office and it really draws you back in as well. So if technology can lay the foundation for that, I think that's great. And there's a strategy around how you approach when and where you do work from, mm. which kind of potentially wasn't part of the you know, the thinking yeah, absolutely. years gone by. I hate the word pivot, but like that was a big thing coming into COVID, right? Yeah. You can't just send your employees home. Yeah. You know, what were their desks looking like? What does what our working from home policy look like? I mean, COVID pretty much just broke all the rules, right? It was you have to go home. Yeah. But everybody was scrambling. Mm. And mm. now all the ramifications that come along with that, you know, I'm sure that 90% of us have all sat with our laptops in our bed at some point listening yep. to a call or something that can't be good for your posture right but no. had had you do you put more rules in place do you make it you know you don't want it to be a situation where people are going well this is horrible my policy says i need to be sitting at a desk and yeah. doing all of these things all it's day long it's not practical it's yeah it's not practical absolutely no fantastic gentlemen we could talk tech all day couldn't we could we certainly could mick and i the tech brains. I'm just, I'm just right. getting into I'm converted. It I'm converted. I'm, I'm going to be out of the client-facing part of the business. I think I'm going to... Moving into it. Absolutely. Solutions architect, right? I'd like to thank you both. My it pleasure. Was, thank you.
really informative for myself and I think the viewers, listeners will get a lot out of listening to that today as well on where they currently stand in their business with regards to tech enablement, what the possibilities are, where it could go and then what the return on investment for that is. So thank you both very much and thank you listeners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you've got any questions about any of the topics or you'd like to join us on one of the podcasts, please contact us via talk at growthaustralia.com.au. See you next time. Thank you.